Chapter 3 of Water Wonders Every Child Should Know. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rosa Grace, Auckland, New Zealand. April 2018. Water Wonders Every Child Should Know by Jean M. Thompson. Chapter 3. Etchings by Jack Frost. When icicles hang by the wall, and Dick the shepherd blows his nail, and Tom bears logs into the hall, and Mott comes frozen home and pale. Shakespeare. In zero weather, in midwinter, when the earth is frozen to a great depth below the surface, when in driving over the unpaved country roads they give forth a hard metallic ring, when the trees are all stripped of their coverings, with the exception of a few forlorn brown leaves, which cling tenaciously to the skeleton branches, which crack and sway in the chilly blasts. Then indeed we may be fully assured that nature has utterly succumbed to the advances of the Frost King, and that Jack Frost himself has arrived in earnest. How he tweaks and nips exposed ears and noses, and how they tingle and ache because of his sting and caress. Jack Frost, we read, is the very personification of frost and cold. All of us are more or less familiar with the mischievous pranks of Jack Frost, and they are quite separate and apart from those of the gentle white hoarfrost, which is frequently seen early in autumn, upon the first still cool mornings. Jack Frost, as the great frost spirit is familiarly known the world over, is a most important if rather mythical personage, and very few of us are really familiar with the works which he creates in his more serious moods, and the really wonderful methods which he displays. For, with all his mischief-making, he finds abundant opportunity to work out and display much really fine artistic ability in his choice etchings and decorative schemes. The night time seems to be most favourable for the finest efforts of Jack Frost, usually in midwinter or early spring. He prefers to select a still cold night, zero weather, for his best out-of-door display, but it is usually in the coldest winter weather that he applies his very choicest designs upon the glass of our windows. And just how charming and interesting they are, you may judge by the photographed designs here and shown. Upon a still moonlit night, when Jack Frost is astir, if you chance to be out of doors, especially in the open country, you will be made aware of his presence in many ways besides the tingling of your ears. Suddenly a sharp mysterious report will occur in the forest, and a great tree trunk is cleft mysteriously in twain. Again, an ominous cracking as loud as a rifle report comes from the still ice-covered pond. It is merely Jack Frost indulging in a bit of rifle practice. That barren figure, brown and unattractive by daylight, how it glistens and scintillates as the moonlight floods it. All last summer's withered seed pods and grasses, the fluffed-out goldenrod and many others are rejuvenated and hung with sparkling pendant ropes of jewels, all the creation and work of the frost spirit who has simply paused to caress them with his icy breath in passing, and lo, they are beautiful. Later, when the morning sun touches them, they all, like Cinderella, are shorn of their finery and become as before, just mere commonplace brown and withered seed pods again. But with infinite patience, as soon as it is twilight the following night, the frost spirit steals forth again and restores once more his magic, fantastic pictures by the rays of the wintry moonlight. The heavy frosts are a recognised and most important factor in creating remarkable changes in rocky formations of the Earth's surface. 
Large masses of rock are constantly being split and reconstructed by its mighty blasting powers, and great sections of solid material are converted in the same manner into soil by the secret action of the frost, which works continually with the other elements of heat and water to effect these changes. These powerful agents working year after year cause vast and important changes to occur in the formation of mountains and valleys. So great is the power of frost that it has frequently been utilised in blasting. When water being poured into the crevice of a great rock and allowed to freeze, the rock was readily split as desired. All vegetation succumbs readily to the withering blight of the frost, with the exception of the evergreen varieties. The cause for this is that the juices of plants naturally expand when touched by the frost, and at last burst which destroys the vesicles or life of the plant which soon blackens and dies. Of all the pranks in which Jack Frost indulges, his wholesale destruction of the beautiful flowers and plants is the greatest to be deplored. But with all the marvellous works of the mighty frost spirit, nothing is quite so fascinating and interesting as the curious phenomena or frost formations which he creates and deposits upon the window panes in midwinter. Jack Frost is a finished artist, I assure you, and his etchings are dainty and attractive beyond words. If you have entered an unlighted room and seen the moonlight filtering palely through a frost-etched window, then you know its charm. How it glittered and sparkled, the delicate frostwork, you were attracted, no doubt, and marvelled at the dainty tracings. But few of us have really had an opportunity to study the detail of these frost designs minutely, or have considered that there were more than three or four designs at most. It is only quite recently, in fact, that the beautiful etchings of Jack Frost have been classified and photographed in all their perfection. Happily, this has now been accomplished by the aid of a compound photographic camera, and it opens up a new and fascinating field to the camera expert as well as to the student of frost crystals. Marvellous indeed is the variety and detail displayed in these attractive windowpane etchings furnished by the frost spirit. And if one is housed some day in midwinter zero weather, one may watch the entire growth and development of these exquisite frost etchings from start to finish. To do this, place a lamp or candle before a frost-covered window in a cold room or unheated by furnace. Of course, not near enough to the glass to crack it, but just close enough to melt the heavy frost curtain which may have formed previously upon the glass. After this has been allowed to dissolve gradually, you will observe a thin water film or formation which has been left upon the outer edge of the glass, the centre of which will be clear. Do not disturb this film, for it is in part from this that the frost crystallisations form and develop. As soon as you move the lamp away from the glass, the pictures instantly begin to grow and develop, delicate feathery etchings of ice crystals first appearing around the outer edge of the water film and according to the temperature of the room, form rapidly or slowly. Exquisite tracings and fern-like leaves shoot out as by magic toward the centre of the glass, but as soon as they reach a dry place upon the glass, they instantly cease. If you observe very closely, you will discover that meanwhile, in the little open spaces between the bolder fern-like designs, more delicate feathery forms are gradually appearing, formations which sometimes resemble fine coral branches. As soon as the waterfall ice crystallisations are completed, they are closely followed by the true frost crystals, which form upon the various dry places upon the glass. Delicate lines and stars and also in a thin dew-like deposit, which rapidly freezes and assumes a granular snow-like form. This granular frost develops very rapidly and soon covers all the unoccupied clear dry places, but one curious fact worthy of observation 
it does not intrude upon or approach near to the separate and individual designs or masterpieces of the frost already formed upon the glass, but rather draws away from the immediate vicinity. This strange habit of the granular frost is well shown in the photographed illustration, where it will be observed that the granular frost acts merely as a background or sky effect for the rear frost pictures, as in a painting. Classified, there are about ten distinct types of the windowpane frost. Representatives of each and all types never appear at any given time upon one window. And strangely enough, the designs are never precisely alike on any two panes of glass. Reduplications of any previous design are extremely rare and would only occur when a multitude of identical conditions occur. This is rather singular when we consider the different factors which go to form the window pane frost. Certain panes of glass vary in thickness and in surface topography, also in the arrangement of minute invisible scratches and the accumulation of dust particles which collect from day to day, all of which affect the arrangement and collection of the frost crystals. It has been observed that double windows and furnace-heated apartments are not favourable to frost formations, but in rooms which are allowed to cool off at night, and in rural dwelling houses which are not heated by steam or furnace, the frost spirit loves to work and decorates their windows with his choicest etchings. The beautiful frost studies illustrating this chapter were photographed in northern Vermont, where the winters are long and the cold very intense, affording the best opportunities possible for the development and study of the frost etchings. These studies are, of course, somewhat magnified, yet you will have no difficulty in recognising many familiar frost designs. Number 35 is a linear type and of rather common occurrence, easily recognisable. In number 36, the photographer scratched his initials crudely upon the window pane. Instantly, Jack Frost began to elaborate the crude work with much better effect. Number 37 is easily suggestive of a strip of very costly handmade lace. Number 38 is a very beautiful arrangement showing two distinct types of windowpane frost. Observe how each type never intrudes upon another. The white fern-like type is raised from the glass and was formed in a very cold room where it slowly developed and grew for days. Number 39 is another striking arrangement of the two types. Observe the very delicate fleecy patterns of the frost which forms a background for the fern-like scrolls. Number 40 shows a perfectly developed fern, while in number 41 we have a strikingly beautiful example of a group of ferns. This type is heavily laid upon the glass and develops in zero weather. Number 42 shows very clearly in detail the granular formation of the frost which is drawn away from the true frost crystals forming in detached places in order to give them room to complete their elaborate patterns. Number 43 shows an extremely graceful feather effect with beautifully curved scroll-like tips. Number 44 is a very striking arrangement of window frost, showing exquisitely arranged branches resembling evergreens shooting out into the clear spaces upon the glass. Number 45, one of the most beautiful and striking masterpieces of Jack Frost. Number 46, singularly suggestive of a mass of white feathers thrown loosely upon the glass. Number 47, another masterpiece from the brush of the frost spirit, a perfect oak leaf design. Number 48, this is a largely magnified specimen of windowpane frost, showing examples of frost crystals greatly magnified and in detail. Number 49, another arrangement of leaves, showing also branch-like twigs. Number 50, 
A very delicate pattern. Note the perfectly formed leaf design with its delicate background of feathery tendrils. Number 51. A remarkably fine feathery design. Number 52. Two very freakish specimens of frost etchings, suggesting somewhat the artificial flies used by fishermen. Number 53. Like a delicate bit of seaweed. Number 54. Like a delicate powdering of small flowers scattered over the window pane. Number 55. Perfectly formed leaf designs. Number 56. A design worthy of study. Find the spider. Number 57. Two types, suggesting grey moss clinging to rocks. Number 58. A very rare design, an almost perfect spider's web, formed of thick granular frost with beautiful moss-like ornamentation and lighter design. Number 59. One of the choicest and most delicate designs photographed, which might have been formed in the ocean instead of upon a window pane. Number 60. This beautiful etching was made in northern Vermont and is very like a white forest of fir trees. End of chapter 3. Recording by Rosa Grace, Auckland, New Zealand, April 2018.